The Best Sauce by P. G. Woodhouse. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Reading by Matt Perard. The Best Sauce by P. G. Woodhouse. Eve Hendry sat up in bed. For two hours, she had been trying to get to sleep, but without success. Never in her life had she felt more wakeful. There were two reasons for this. Her mind was disturbed, and she was very hungry. Neither sensation was novel to her. Since first she had become paid companion to Mrs. Rustle Retford, there had hardly been a moment when she had not been hungry. Some time before, Mrs. Rustle Redford's doctor had recommended to that lady a Spartan diet, and in this Eve, as companion, had unwillingly to share. It was not pleasant for either of them, but at least Mrs. Rustle Redford had the knowledge that she had earned it by years of honest self-indulgence. Eve had not that consolation. Meager fare, moreover, had the effect of accentuating Mrs. Rustle Redford's always rather pronounced irritability. She was a massive lady with a prominent forehead, some half-dozen chins, and a manner towards those in her employment which would have been resented in a second mate by the crew of a western ocean tramp. Even at her best she was no ray of sunshine about the house, and since the beginning of the self-denying ordinance she had been at her worst but it was not depression induced by her employer that was disturbing eve that was a permanent evil what was agitating her so extremely to-night was the unexpected arrival of peter rayner it was eve's practice to tell herself several times a day that she had no sentiment for peter rayner but dislike she did not attempt to defend her attitude logically but nevertheless she clung to it and to-night when he entered the drawing-room she had endeavoured to convey by her manner that it was only with the greatest difficulty that she remembered him at all and that having accomplished that feat she now intended to forget him again immediately and he had grinned a cheerful affectionate grin and beamed on her without a break till bedtime before coming as companion to mrs rastle redford eve had been governess to hildebrand aged six the son of a mrs elphinstone it had been on the whole a comfortable situation she had not liked mrs elphinstone but hildebrand had been docile and altogether life was quite smooth and pleasant until mrs elphinstone's brother came for a visit peter rayner was that brother there is a type of man who makes love with the secrecy and sheepish reserve of a cowboy shooting up a wild west saloon to this class peter belonged he fell in love with eve at sight and if at the end of the first day there was anyone in the house who was not aware of it it was only hildebrand aged six and even hildebrand must have had his suspicions mrs elphinstone was among the first to become aware of it for two days frostily silent and gimlet-like as to the eye she observed peter's hurricane wooing from afar then she acted peter she sent to london pacifying him with an invitation to return to the house in the following week 
this done she proceeded to eliminate eve in the course of the parting interview she expressed herself perhaps a little less guardedly than was either just or considerate and eve flushed and at war with a whole race of brainers departed that afternoon to seek a situation elsewhere she had found it at the house of mrs rostel redford and now this evening as she sat in the drawing-room playing the piano to her employer in had walked the latter's son a tall nervous young man perpetually clearing his throat and fiddling with a pair of gold-rimmed glasses with the announcement that he had brought his friend mr rayner to spend a few days in the old home eve could still see the look on peter's face as having shaken hands with his hostess he turned to her it was the look of the cowboy who his weary ride over sees through the dusk the friendly gleam of the saloon windows and with a happy sigh reaches for his revolver there could be no two meanings to that look it said as clearly as if he had shouted it that this was no accidental meeting that he had tracked her down and proposed to resume matters at the point where they had left off eve was indignant it was abominable that he should pursue her in this way she sat thinking how abominable it was for five minutes and then it suddenly struck her that she was hungrier than ever she had forgotten her material troubles for the moment it seemed to her now that she was quite faint with hunger a cuckoo clock outside the door struck one and as it did so it came to eve that on the sideboard in the dining-room there were biscuits a moment later she was creeping softly down the stairs it was dark and ghostly on the stairs the house was full of noises she was glad when she reached the dining-room it would be pleasant to switch on the light she pushed open the door and uttered a cry the light was already switched on and at the table his back to her was a man there was no time for flight he must have heard the door open in another moment he would turn and spring she spoke tremulously don't don't move i'm pointing a pistol at you the man did not move foolish child he said indulgently suppose it went off she uttered an exclamation of surprise you what are you doing here mr rayner she moved into the room and her relief changed swiftly into indignation on the table were half a chicken a loaf some cold potatoes and a bottle of beer i'm eating thank goodness said peter helping himself to a cold potato i had begun to think i never should again eating eating i know a man of sensibility and refinement ought to shrink from raiding his hostess's larder in the small hours but hungers death to the finer feelings it's the solar plexus punch which puts one's better self down and out for the count of ten i am a large and healthy young man and believe me i need this little snack i need it badly may i cut you a slice of chicken she could hardly bear to look at it but pride gave her strength no she snapped you're sure poor little thing i know you're half starved eve stamped how dare you speak to me like that mr rayner he drank bottled beer thoughtfully what made you come down 
i suppose you heard a noise and thought it was burglars he said yes said eve thankfully accepting the idea at all costs she must conceal the biscuit motive that was very plucky of you won't you sit down no i'm going back to bed not just yet i've several things to talk to you about sit down that's right now cover up your poor little pink ankles or you'll be catching she started up mr rayner sit down mr rayner sit down she looked at him defiantly then wondering at herself for doing it sat down now said peter what do you mean by dashing off from my sister's house without leaving a word for me as to where you were going you knew i loved you good night mr rayner sit down you've given me a great deal of trouble do you know it cost me a sovereign in tips to find out your address i couldn't get it out of my sister and i had to apply to the butler i've a good mind to knock it off your first week's pen money i shall not stay here listening you know perfectly well i wanted to marry you but you fly off without a word and bury yourself in this benighted place with a gorgon who nags and bullies you a nice way to speak of your hostess said eve scornfully a very soothing way i don't think i ever took such a dislike to a woman at first sight before and when she started to bully-rag you it was all i could do but it won't last long now you must come away at once we'll be married after christmas and in the meantime you can go and live with my sister eve listened speechlessly she had so much to say that the difficulty of selection rendered her dumb when can you start i mean do you have to give a month's notice or anything eve got up with a short laugh good night mr rayner she said you have been very amusing but i am getting tired i'm glad it's all settled said peter good night eve stopped she could not go tamely away without saying a single one of the things that crowded in her mind do you imagine she said that i intend to marry you do you suppose for one moment rather said peter you shall have a splendid time from now on to make up for all you've gone through i'm going to be awfully good to you eve you shan't ever have any more worries poor old thing he looked at her affectionately i wonder why it is that large men always fall in love with little women there are you a fragile fairy-like ethereal wisp of a little creature and here am i a great big greedy pig burst out eve who thinks about nothing but eating and drinking i wasn't going to have put it quite like that said peter thoughtfully i hate a greedy man said eve between her teeth i have a healthy appetite protested peter nothing more it runs in the family at the time of the civil war the reigner of the period who was king charles right-hand man would frequently eat despatches to prevent them falling into the hands of the enemy he was noted for it eve reached the door and turned i despise you she said good night said peter tenderly tomorrow morning we'll go for a walk 
his prediction proved absolutely correct he was smoking a cigarette after breakfast when eve came to him her face was pink and mutinous but there was a gleam in her eye are you ready to come out mr rayner she said mrs rustle redford says i'm to take you to see the view from the golf links you'll like that said peter i shall not like it snapped eve but mrs rustle redford is paying me a salary to do what she tells me and i have to earn it conversation during the walk consisted mainly of a monologue on the part of peter it was a crisp and exhilarating morning and he appeared to be feeling a universal benevolence towards all created things he even softened slightly on the subject of mrs rustle redford and advanced the theory that her peculiar manner might be due to her having been ill-treated as a child eve listened in silence it was not till they were nearing home on their return journey that she spoke mr rayner she said yes said peter i was talking to mrs rustle redford after breakfast said eve and i told her something about you my conscience is clear oh nothing bad some people would say it was very much to your credit she looked away across the fields i told her you were a vegetarian she added carelessly there was a long silence then peter spoke three words straight from the heart you little devil eve turned and looked at him her eyes sparkling wickedly you see she said now perhaps you will go without you said peter stoutly never in london you will be able to eat all day anything you like you will be able to creep about your club gnawing cold chicken all night but if you stay here you have got a wrong idea of the london clubman's life said peter if i crept about my club gnawing cold chicken i should have the committee after me no i shall stay here and look after you after all what is food i'll tell you what yours will be if you like or would you rather wait and let it be a surprise well for lunch you will have some boiled potatoes and cabbage and a sweet a sort of light souffle thing and for dinner yes but one moment said peter if i'm a vegetarian how did you account for my taking all the chicken i could get at dinner last night and looking as if i wanted more oh that was your considerateness you didn't want to give trouble even if you had to sacrifice your principles but it's all right now you are going to have your vegetables peter drew a deep breath the breath of the man who braces himself up and thanks whatever gods there be for his unconquerable soul i don't care he said a book of verses underneath the bough a jug of wine and thou oh and i forgot interrupted eve i told her you were a teetotaler as well there was another silence longer than the first the best train said eve at last is the ten fifty he looked at her inquiringly the best train for london what makes you think i am interested in trains to london eve bit her lip mr rayner she said after a pause do you remember at lunch one day at mrs elphinstone's refusing parsnips you said that so far as you were concerned parsnips were first 
by a mile and that prussic acid and strychnine also ran well said peter oh nothing said eve only i made a stupid mistake i told the cook you were devoted to parsnips i'm sorry peter looked at her gravely i'm putting up with a lot for your sake he said you needn't why don't you go away and leave you chained to the rock andromeda not for perseus i've only been here one night but i've seen enough to know that i've got to take you away from this place honestly it's killing you i was watching you last night you're scared if that infernal old woman starts to open her mouth she's crushing the life out of you i'm going to stay on here till you'll say you'll marry me or till they throw me out there are parsnips for dinner to-night said eve softly i shall get to like them they are an acquired taste i expect perhaps i am too perhaps i am the human parsnip and you will have to learn to love me you are the human burr said eve shortly i shouldn't have thought it possible for a man to behave as you are doing in spite of herself there were moments during the next few days when eve felt twinges of remorse it was only by telling herself that he had no right to have followed her to this house and that he was at perfect liberty to leave whenever he wished that she could harden her heart again and even this reflection was not entirely satisfactory for it made her feel how fond he must be of her to endure these evils for her sake and there was no doubt about their being evils it was a dreary house in which to spend winter days there were no books that one could possibly read the nearest railway station was five miles away there was not even a dog to talk to generally it rained though eve saw little of peter except at meals and in the drawing-room after dinner for mrs rostel retford spent most of the day in her own sitting-room and required eve to be at her side she could picture his sufferings and try as she would she could not keep herself from softening a little her pride was weakening constant attendance on her employer was beginning to have a bad effect on her nerves association in a subordinate capacity with mrs rastell redford did not encourage a proud and spirited outlook on life her imagination had not exaggerated peter's sufferings many people consider that dante has spoken the last word on the post-mortem housing of the criminal classes peter after the first week of his visit could have given him a few new ideas it is unpleasant to be half starved it is unpleasant to be cooped up in a country house in winter with nothing to do it is unpleasant to sit at meals and listen to the only girl you have ever really loved being bully-ragged by an old lady with six chins and all these unpleasantnesses were occurring to peter simultaneously it is highly creditable to him that the last should completely have outweighed the others he was generally alone mr rastell rutford who would have been better than nothing as a companion was a man who enjoyed solitude he was a confirmed vanisher he would be present at one moment the next he would have glided silently away and even on the rare occasions when he decided not to vanish he seldom did much more than clear his throat 
nervously and juggle with his pince-nez peter in his boyhood had been thrilled once by a narrative of a man who got stuck in the sargasso sea it seemed to him now that the monotony of the sargasso sea had been greatly exaggerated nemesis was certainly giving peter his due he had wormed his way into the rastal retford home home circle by grossly deceitful means the moment he heard that eve had gone to live with mrs rastal retford and had ascertained that the rastal retford with whom he had been at cambridge and whom he still met occasionally at his club when he did not see him first was this lady's son he had set himself to court young mr rastal retford he had cornered him at the club and begun to talk about the dear old varsity days ignoring the embarrassment of the latter whose only clear recollection of the dear old varsity days as linking peter and himself was of a certain bump supper night when sundry of the festive led and inspired by peter had completely wrecked his rooms and shaved off half a growing moustache he conveyed to young mr rastal redford the impression that in the dear old varsity days they had shared each other's joys and sorrows and generally had made damon and pythias look like a pair of cross-talk knockabouts at one of the rowdier music halls not to invite so old a friend to stay at his home if he ever happened to be down that way would he hinted be grossly churlish mr rastel redford impressed issued the invitation and now peter was being punished for his deceit nemesis may not be an alfred shrub but give her time and she gets there it was towards the middle of the second week of his visit that eve coming into the drawing-room before dinner found peter standing in front of the fire they had not been alone together for several days well said he eve went to the fire and warmed her hands well she said dispiritedly she was feeling nervous nil mrs rostel redford had been in one of her more truculent moods all day and for the first time eve had the sensation of being thoroughly beaten she dreaded the long hours to bedtime the thought that there might be bridge after dinner made her feel physically ill she felt she could not struggle through a bridge night on the occasions when she was in one of her dangerous moods mrs rastel redford sometimes chose rest as a cure sometimes relaxation rest meant that she retired to her room immediately after dinner and expended her venom on her maid relaxation meant bridge and bridge seemed to bring out all her worst points they played the game for counters at her house and there had been occasions in eve's experience when the loss of a hundred or so of these useful little adjuncts to fun in the home had lashed her almost into a frenzy she was one of those bridge players who keep a running quarrel with fate during the game and when she was not abusing fate she was generally reproaching her partner eve was always her partner and to-night she devoutly hoped that her employer would elect to rest she always played badly with mrs rastel redford through sheer nervousness once she had revoked and there had been a terrible moment and much subsequent recrimination 
Peter looked at her curiously. You're pale tonight, he said. I have a headache. Hmm. How is our hostess? Fair or stormy? As I was passing her door, I heard her bullying her maid, so I suppose stormy. That means a bad time for you, he said sympathetically. I suppose so, if we play bridge, but she may go to bed directly after dinner. She tried to keep her voice level, but he detected the break. Eve, he said quickly, won't you let me take you away from here? You've no business in this sort of game. You're not tough enough. You've got to be loved and made a fuss of, and... She laughed shakily. <laughs> Perhaps you can give me the address of some lady who wants a companion to love and make a fuss of. And make a fuss of? I can give you the address of a man. She rested an arm on the mantelpiece and stood looking into the blaze without replying. Before he could speak again, there was a step outside the door, and Mrs. Rastel Redford rustled into the room. Eve had not misread the storm signals. Her employer's mood was still as it had been earlier in the day. Dinner passed in almost complete silence. Mrs. Rastel Redford sat brooding dumbly. Her eye was cold and menacing, and Peter, working his way through his vegetables, shuddered for eve he had understood her allusion to bridge having been privileged several times during his stay to see his hostess play that game and he hoped that there would be no bridge to-night and this was unselfish of him for bridge meant sandwiches punctually at nine o'clock on bridge nights the butler would deposit on a side table a plate of chicken sandwiches and in deference to peter's vegetarian views a smaller plate of cheese sandwiches at the close of play mrs rastel redford would take one sandwich from each plate drink a thimbleful of weak whiskey and water and retire peter could always do with a sandwich or two these days but he was prepared to abandon them joyfully if his hostess would waive bridge for this particular evening it was not to be in the drawing-room mrs rastel redford came out of her trance and called imperiously for the cards peter when he saw his hand after the first deal had a presentiment that if all his hands were to be as good as this the evening was going to be a trying one on the other occasions when they had played he had found it an extremely difficult task even with moderate cards to bring it about that his hostess should always win the odd rubber for he was an excellent player and like most good players had an artistic conscience which made it painful to him to play a deliberately bad game even from the best motives if all his hands were going to be as strong as this first one he saw that there was disaster ahead he could not help winning mrs rastel redford who had dealt the first hand made a most improper diamond declaration her son unfilially doubled and eve having chicane a tragedy which her partner evidently seemed to consider could have been avoided by the exercise of ordinary common sense peter and his partner despite peter's best efforts won the game handsomely the son of the house dealt the next hand 
eve sorted her cards listlessly she was feeling curiously tired her brain seemed dulled this hand as the first had done went all in favor of the two men mr rastel retford won five tricks in succession and judging from the glitter in his mild eye was evidently going to win as many more as he possibly could mrs rastel retford glowered silently there was electricity in the air the son of the house led a club eve played a card mechanically have you no clubs miss hendry eve started and looked at her hand no she said mrs rastel rutford grunted suspiciously not long ago in westport connecticut u s a a young man named harold sperry a telephone worker was boring a hole in the wall of a house with a view to passing a wire through it he whistled joyously as he worked he did not know that he had selected for purposes of perforation the exact spot where they lay nestling in the brickwork a large leaden water pipe the first intimation he had of that fact was when a jet of water suddenly knocked him fifteen feet into a rosebush as harold felt then so did eve now when examining her hand once more to make certain that she had no clubs she discovered the ace of that ilk peeping coyly out from behind the seven of spades her face turned quite white it is never pleasant to revoke at bridge but to eve just then it seemed a disaster beyond words she looked across at her partner her imagination pictured the scene there would be ere long unless it happens every now and then that the human brain shows in a crisis an unwanted flash of speed eve's did at this juncture to her in her trouble there came a sudden idea she looked round the table mr rastel redford having taken the last trick had gathered it up in the introspective manner of one planning big coups and was brooding tensely with knit brows his mother was frowning over her cards she was unobserved she seized the opportunity she rose from her seat moved quickly to the side table and turning her back slipped the fatal card dexterously into the interior of a cheese sandwich mrs rastel redford absorbed did not notice for an instant then she gave tongue what are you doing miss hendry eve was breathing quickly i-i thought that mr rayner might like a sandwich she was at his elbow with the plate it trembled in her hand a sandwich kindly do not be so officious miss hendry the idea in the middle of a hand her voice died away in a resentful mumble peter started he had been allowing his thoughts to wander he looked from the sandwich to eve and then at the sandwich again he was puzzled this had the aspect of being an olive branch could it be could she be meaning or was it a subtle insult who could say at any rate it was a sandwich and he seized it without prejudice i hope at least you have the sense to remember that mr rayner is a vegetarian miss hendry said mrs rastel redford that is not a chicken sandwich no said eve it is not a chicken sandwich 
peter beamed gratefully he raised the olive branch and bit into it with the energy of a starving man and as he did so he caught eve's eye miss hendry cried mrs rostel rutford eve started violently miss hendry will you be good enough to play the king of clubs to beat i can't think what's the matter with you to-night i'm very sorry said eve and put down the nine of spades mrs rastell retford glared this is absurd she cried you must have the ace of clubs if you have not got it who has look through your hand again is it there no then where can it be where can it be echoed peter taking another bite why why said eve crimson i-i have only five cards i ought to have six five said mrs rastell rutford nonsense count again have you dropped it on the floor mr rastell rutford stooped and looked under the table it is not on the floor he said i suppose it must have been missing from the pack before i dealt mrs rastell rutford threw down her cards and rose ponderously it offended her vaguely that there seemed to be nobody to blame i shall go to bed she said peter stood before the fire and surveyed eve as she sat on the sofa they were alone in the room mr rastell rutford having drifted silently away in the wake of his mother suddenly eve began to laugh helplessly he shook his head at her this is considerably sharper than a serpent's tooth he said you should be fawning gratefully upon me not laughing do you suppose king charles laughed at my ancestor when he ate the dispatches however for the first time since i have been in this house i feel as if i had had a square meal eve became suddenly serious the smile left her face mr rayner please don't think i'm ungrateful i couldn't help laughing but i can't tell you how grateful i am you don't know what it would have been like if she had found out that i had revoked i did it once before and she kept on about it for days and days it was awful she shivered i think you must be right and my nerves are going he nodded so are you to-morrow by the first train i wonder how soon we can get married do you know anything about special licenses she looked at him curiously you're very obstinate she said firm he corrected firm could you pack to-night do you think and be ready for that ten-fifty to-morrow morning she began to trace an intricate pattern on the floor with the point of her shoe i can't imagine why you are fond of me she said i've been very horrid to you nonsense you've been all that sweet and womanly and i want to tell you why she went on your your sister ah i thought as much she she saw that you seemed to be getting fond of me and she she would said some rather horrid things that hurt said he in a low voice peter crossed over to her where she sat and took her hand don't you worry about her he said she's not a bad sort really but about once every six months she needs a brotherly talking to or she gets above herself one is about due during the next few days he stroked 
her hand fasting he said thoughtfully clears and stimulates the brain i fancy i shall be able to think out some rather special things to say to her this time End of the best sauce by P. G. Woodhouse.